Hello, and welcome to the Archivist Podcast. I'm your host, Yuri, and this is episode five. During all this quarantine madness, I was finally able to set a date and interview with the stylist I've had my iron for a while. And since this is the Archivist Podcast, I deemed it important to get a stylist that heavily uses archive and vintage pieces to style his clients. So I want to welcome Todd, a.k.a. Labels and Dollars, if you follow him on Instagram and Twitter. Hey, Todd. Hey, Yuri. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming. <laughs> How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm super excited to have this conversation with you. Too. Okay, so let's just start off. You already know my question. What are you wearing today? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so it's so funny. Um, today I have on like I'm on my quarantine chill, um, like a Motley Crew tee from I don't even know what vintage store I found this from. Um, and I have on these like cool like green pants that I found at um what's that place? Um, Rosebow, the Rosebow Fleet. Um, I'm mad because I really can't think of the designer. It's like a local kid, but he like. Did amazing on these pants, which is why I bought them. <laughs> uh, what are you wearing? Today I have on just like a Rick Owens like dress, like a plain, like like kind of like jersey type of dress and the Yeezy slides because literally that's the only thing that I could wear right now that looks remotely good because my hair's <laughs> not done. I know it's not done. Nothing's done. So I'm with you on that. I can't one. get all get all dressed up. Some light. So, I know some some light. Some some light. <laughs> so, let's start off. Where are you from? Um. So I'm originally from, um, Cincinnati. I was born in Gary, Indiana. Um, and then I was raised in Cincinnati, Ohio. And um, I actually like kind of. I feel like I've been all over Ohio except for Columbus. <laughs> um. But yeah, so like I said, I'm originally from Cincinnati. Okay. And you went to school in Ohio, correct? You went to a university there? Yes, I went to Kent State University, which is like so, 40 minutes from Cleveland. So what did you study at Kent? Um, my major was fashion merchandising um, with a minor in fashion media. Okay. And... Is that where you started styling? When did you start styling? Was it in high school, college, just recently? So when did you start styling? Um, I have to say um, I started styling in school uh, at Kent State. Um, it really started, like, <laughs> when I got there uh, in, like, 2014, low-key. Uh, now I'm thinking about it all. Um, you know, certain some universities will, like, hold like fashion shows where you can like sign up to style um or design or whatever I used to do that at Kent um my first semester I remember styling the show and I was like so like pumped up about it because I'm like oh this shit is kind of fun um but after that um I say in 2016 I started getting my um feet a little bit more wet as far as like you know assisting and um really starting to get familiar with like how styling actually works. Um, in 2018 is when I kind of started styling my own clients. Okay. So when did you start getting into 
you know, the archive and vintage realm of fashions to like incorporate that in your styling? Um, I, I feel like I've always been into vintage, rare, and like archive pieces. Um, 2016 was, I guess, uh, eye opening year. <laughs> um, I was leaving an appointment from or a, an appointment at Resurrection Vintage in New York. Um, and they had so many like archive pieces that I had like seen on runways um, and like iconic films that like that really inspired me to want to um, get into styling more as well as like, you know, using those kind of pieces um, while I was styling. So as far as, so as far as like the archive pieces you style with kind of now, Mm -hmm. how did you, how did you reference those certain archive pieces to be the pieces that you use to style back then or today like how did you reference those pieces was it through you know Yuri yes I'm here okay I hear you now sorry you guys we had just a technical difficulty so you guys don't be alarmed (laughs) (laughs) yeah we're back okay (laughs) no okay so my question was um what did you who did you or what how did you reference these archive pieces that you used to style like what have you referenced to you know to reference these pieces to use like was it music was it you know different artists or different designers or what did you reference gotcha um okay so I, honestly um i remember taking a course um history of costume at kent um and during that time, we talked about, you know, uh, certain designers like Dior and like like um, Chanel, Balenciaga, um, the list goes on. Um, but I always thought that was really cool because it was like really unique um, and nothing that we were kind of like seeing now. Um, Gautier is like one of my favorite um, designers um, that I often like to use as a reference. Um, only because of the representation of like sexy and confidence um, really aligns well with like my brand, I feel. Um, so, you know, aside from him, I often look at a lot of like female um, rappers or just artists in general um, over time, like Lil' Kim, she was like a blueprint of like how we like kind of, you know, reference fashion and um, music, um, you know, Foxy Brown, Jackie O, Khalees, um, even like the video vixens of like the early 2000s. Like those are like some strong references that I often use um, because they were like truly the blueprint to me of, you know, style. Um, so yeah, I have to give it to them. Yes. Oh my God. Khalees is my fave. She used to have this show on YouTube. I think it was called like Khalees's Closet or something like that. And she, she would just every episode, she would like go through her closet. And what I love about her is every like piece that you see, like an archive Dior, she has a lot of like hysteric glamour. She has, she has a lot of uh, McQueen too. And a lot of that stuff that she just sourced and bought herself. Like so amazing. Like that's like my, 
that's my girl. Like she has like she has a, a true like cool archive closet. And I love her closet because it's just like full of colors, you know. A lot of archivists now they're like really like they collect it's a neat. lot of I, I call them like dark designers, you know, I was like say a lot of Yeah, a lot of Rav, a lot of lot of um Andalemester, a lot of, you know, Rick and stuff like that. So it's kind of cool to see somebody collect like stuff that's like full of life. So I love Khalees, but agreed, agreed. I'm with you with the Khalees love. <laughs> I think it's really cool because, like, like, like those are obviously references. But I also love the idea of that. You know, during the like their like peak times in fashion, they had really close relationships with designers. You know, like they really were about building up with them and creating an image that made every right. other house want to work with them as well. So I think that's an important part of you know reference for me that I always try to think about is like, okay, how are we going to start this, you know, repertoire of looks um, seen on a certain client? That's so true. Cause like when you think about, when you think about Foxy Brown and John Galliano, yes. and then, you know, he, he loves her. Even when you think about Tupac and Versace, uh, you know, when you think about those connections to be able for them to create that vision, like you said, it was so important to artists and even to the artist stylist too. Now I feel like some some artists, you know, they don't really have a clear like there, there's no clear vision for their style. It, it it's it's almost like it's almost like what's ever happening in that moment, but it's never like a like a like a style like not consistent. When, like right, consistent. Like I miss when artists used to have like. Like artists used to go through their like like their quarters. I used to call them quarters. Like when Lady Gaga, when she had an album, she stayed true to that style and that album. Even Rihanna, when she had an album, she stayed true to the hair color, the style, the design. Yes. So that you know, everything so was on brand. Everything was on brand. Everything was on brand, and I kind of think that we're missing that with the artists that's coming up and kind of the stylists that are coming up. And so that's why I really, I really like you because you have a, your, your styling style is an actual branding style, which makes sense for the artist, you know, that makes sense for certain artists. So thank you. I, I appreciate commend, that. <laughs> I commend you. I commend you on that. Um, thank you. Oftentimes I, I feel like people like miss. You know, that's like my whole, like my whole brand. I love everything about, you know, just making sure everything makes sense. Yeah. And like, honestly, a lot of stylists don't have like a certain, a certain like genre, I guess, that they kind of style from. They kind of style with every client. But when, when your client comes to you, they automatically know what they're getting because you give. You give the girls archive, Jean-Paul Gaultier, Vivian Westwood, Dior, Chanel, Vintage Chanel, so they know. You know and how so I'm I coming. Could, you know, so they know how you coming. So I think that's I think that's good. So I was about to ask you this question, but you already answered it. Who's your favorite like designer that's your favorite archive? You said Jean-Paul Gaultier. Yes, we so love Gaultier. Yes. And then What's your favorite archive piece? Like, it doesn't have to be John Paul Gaultier. It could be anybody. Like, what's your favorite piece? Um, it's so hard because, you know, I want to say Gaultier. Um, I know. <laughs> uh, 
But honestly, for me, it's like I really enjoy designers who I feel align with my personal brand. You know, when I'm styling a client, there are certain things that I often go to because I feel like, um, you know, the designer really, um, you know, just emulates what they're about. Um, one of my favorite eras is um, John Galliano at Dior. Um, but like, you know, obviously like the early 2000s, um, like his spring, summer, um, 2001 through 2003, like those are very, um, impactful moments for me and my, um, personal brand. Um, so if I couldn't give, um, you know, any favorite archive piece from Gautier, I would have to start maybe either with John Galliano at Dior or Vivian Westwood. Um, and honestly, that CD, um, choker that's like undefeatable <laughs> like um there are only few chokers that i like always reference or think about in the cd um uh by john galliano um for dior is one of my favorite pieces so okay so you love the john galliano dior i do too <laughs> or i i i don't want to be like the like the i don't want to be like the negative Nancy, but I love, I do love John Galliano. I love that Dior, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of, How you I'm kind of tired of it a little bit, just because I don't think some. Sometimes I don't think that you need to wear all the Dior okay. at one time. I think it's cute to have a hint. Like I, I do love a little like, oh, so, um. <laughs> This is going back to some archive tea. <laughs> okay, so Kylie <laughs> recently had on that um, that Dior. Don't you say it. Don't you say it. I'm oh, going to say it. We taking it. it there. We taking it there. You know we what? That's a good point. <laughs> let's, let's go. Oh, my God. I'm so happy you bring it Let's up. take it there. No, I just wanted to. So, so, you guys. So, recently, if anybody knows about the archive world, it's very... You know, it's very, it's kind of, it's like any, it's like any, any other. It's like sports. It's like sports. Yeah, it's like sports. It's just. The girls just, know their shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's just very competitive. And so recently, Kylie wore a, 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 a two-piece Dior, Diorismo. Uh, it was red or burgundy, two-piece. It was like capris and then the top. And I'm and I'm not gonna say any names about where where the where the two piece came from, and I'm not gonna say <laughs> who called them out. But the it was said that that two piece was fake, and it was from a reliable reseller on Instagram. Quote unquote. Quote unquote. <laughs> quote unquote. I, I went to the Instagram the Instagram or the the. The, the shops I went to their Instagram and I mean it looks reliable they have a lot of followers a lot of people that I know follow them and it just kind of goes to the fact like how much fake shit is on Instagram like, exactly and it, it's it's really almost disheartening because you know some for people like us who really truly love archive things um it kind of like what's the right word it kind of just like takes away from um you know the authenticity of it yeah it's like upsetting me and my homegirls like no, okay because okay, if, we can't, if, if we can't go to if we can't, if we quote can't unquote, go to Villa <laughs> okay. 
I ain't gonna do the name drop, but if we can't go there, then where the hell can we go? It's and it, it's honestly it's really disheartening because it's like everybody's gonna be questioning like anything that's considered like vintage or rare or archive now because of moments like that. And I and I think they should and I'm and I'm like I'm a certified authenticator, like I took like a little test and then like you get your certification or whatever. And um I think that a lot of these insta and I and I wanna say this, I think that Instagram, like eBay, since a lot of people sell on Instagram now and it's the big selling platform now, now you can link your website to your Facebook, which can mm-hmm. link to your Instagram, which you can purchase from. I think that the Instagram fashion part of their company, because they do have like a fashion uh I forgot her name. I think her name is she's an Asian lady. What is her name? She's like over fashion at Instagram. I can't I think it's like Jenny Chang or Ch- it's Chang. I can't remember. Let me do some research then. I, I, I can't remember. Um, I know one of my friends sold her this, uh, this like really, um, this, this really uh, nice Hermes bag like two years ago, but she is the head of fashion. I think there needs to be in place where if these vintage shops are selling these designer, these archive and designer items, that there needs to be, there they need to be cleared by a team of authenticators to make sure that they're selling authentic, authentic things, just like eBay. So like the the way eBay becomes a top seller is because when so eBay will come to your come to your company, come to your warehouse. And they will bring bags and you will have to decipher which bags are real or fake. And that's how they solidify your authentication team. So they know when you are posting your items on eBay, they are deemed real, right? Right. And so and so I think that since Instagram is coming like this big archive and all these archive shops are popping up, all these vintage resale pops are popping up, I think that that needs to be in place because these pieces aren't fifty dollars, twenty five dollars. People are paying five hundred, six hundred dollars, a thousand dollars for these archive pieces. So exactly. I think there needs to be something in place, you know? I agree. I think um at this point it's like harder to spot a fake than what it was even just like a year ago. <laughs> um just because of like the resurgence of all of these like archive pieces um that can easily be, you know, coined off as fake. Or real. Yeah. Right. Because all because a lot of people don't know how the stuff a lot of people don't know or weren't even born when the stuff came out in the nineties and the eighties. So they don't know how to authenticate it. So they're just going off if that person has a lot of followers or this or that. So Yeah, no. You have to really trust um where you're um sourcing these items from. Right. Yeah, very true. You you really do and I think that's like the the main important thing about you know this industry is just like making sure everything is real. You're sourcing it from like solidified sellers because you never an archive and fashion girl worst nightmares wearing something fake. Okay, and then <laughs> it being called out. Oh it being no, it's not even wearing <laughs> fake. It's being called out. That's the that's, that's the, the worst. Okay, because then you think you're really like it's a huge flex, and it's like. No, <laughs> it's not like <laughs> anybody can get this. Somebody made this in their basement, like right? No, seriously, exactly. So let's 
kind of move on and talk about some artists that you've styled. Of course, let's start off with um, some of the artists that you you're styling now. So, okay. who are some of the artists you're styling now? Um, I have been working um, more closely with Koi Larae. Um, okay. I really like Koi. Um, <laughs> it's really like refreshing to work with her because she has this like sort of tomboy, sexy, cool style that I honestly feel like a lot of girls try to emulate and they just don't have it, you know? Um, so I like working with her because it's like I can play around with different archive design, like different archive pieces from different designers um, that I, you know, am not all the way, you know, familiar with. So it's like really fun and new. Um, I recently also just worked with Mulatto um, and I love working with her. Yeah, she's, and you know what, like, um, it is really fun to work with people who um, appreciate um, the archive pieces that you also appreciate. Um, I liked working with her because um, it's funny, as soon as I pulled out this uh, Miss Diorella um, printed top and like matching bottom I had, she was like in love with it. So it made me want to work, you know, more and get the look off because it was like, she really appreciates this. Um, so uh, aside from them, um, I've worked with um, another girl. Um, her name's TK. She's from Australia. Um, like we have some things coming up in the future um, that should be releasing. Um, she was also very fun because of just like the different kind of lane that she's in. Yeah. Yeah. I love Polaroid too, because she has like, I always say she has like the, the perfect like sample size body and like you can put <laughs> literally anything on her. And that's like, that's a dream for like, you know, someone that kind of just wants me. to try anything out, you know? <laughs> right. I'm like, me, me, me. It's a dream. <laughs> yeah, it's a dream. Um, it really is. Yeah, like you said, just because she's, like, simple size, it is a lot more fun because it's easy. I don't want to say easier. It's just, like, the the range. There's a different kind of range there. Right. Exactly. That's why, that's why, like, I'm, like, I'm, like, really into, like, even though, like, Personally, I'm I'm small, so I'm I'm a double zero, and like I'm and I'm five three, so I'm like really tiny. You are so, so like, small. I guess I'm really small, so like I'm like I'm one of those girls. I'm like I I want to like like I'm I want booty. I'm just like I want like to be you know like booty and hips. Like I do want that, but like you, what always stops me is like thinking about like wow, what happens if I can't like fit like my Alexander McQueen blazer or like what like I just go through these thoughts and I'm just like I'm just gonna stay small and just that, be tiny. That is some thoughtful <laughs> thinking. Okay. Because like what happens if you at Rosebow one weekend and you come across some really cool um McQueen pants that you're trying to get into um and you can't. Yeah, no, that's not cool. At all. Like the one, the one McQueen thing that I have been searching for is the bumpster pants from his oh, early, from the ninety yeah. the ninety four taxi driver Fire. collection. Yes. Fire. I, I need I've been searching. I found a pair. I found a couple pair before, but they're always just like wildly overpriced. 
And like, <laughs> of I have, course. Yeah. And I have like a price in my mind that I want to spend. So until I find it that price, I'm just kind of, just kind of keep, you know, I find them once every, I don't find them that often. That's a special piece. Those are, that's a special piece though. Yeah, it is. It's like when I get it, I will never sell ever. Like I will keep those for my, I would keep those for like if I have a if I have a girl like if I have a baby and she grows up and she's like into fashion I'll give her those like that's like just something that just, I think just curious though like on the like the price side what have you like came across for those I'm just curious um I came across a pair that was eleven thousand dollars <laughs> <laughs> but also it was a, also it was just one of the one of those eBay sellers. I don't know if it's a she or he. I think it's a she, but she just prices her things very high. Like she'll have like a like a snake skin, like a python, like a python snake skin bustier from Dior for like twenty two thousand dollars or something like that. And it's just like Ugh. it's just so high. But Jeez. I just feel like those are the type of pieces that you just rent out at this point. Like yes. it's so expensive to like. For a you honestly, yeah. So like, I'm just kind of. And you know what? You might make more money doing that nowadays. Anyway, like I don't, you know, I kind of feel like that's what people should be doing versus trying to sell so high. Yeah, th- me too. Like, well, I have like a love and hate, love and hate relationship with renting. Mm-hmm. Like, I-, I love renting because like you can make you can make money on that same piece over and over again. Yep. But also you have to really entrust these people to have your items and getting them back can be hell. And, you know, they might could get damaged. So it's like a double-edged sword. I feel like. You know what? That's really like a real thing. And I like want to tell like a quick story about that. Um, you know, just like that fear of like, I've had that happen to me before where I've rented something that's like very like rare and it like, was so rare and so old that you know things happen um but luckily you know the person that i rented it from did not kill me because it was fixed right away (laughs) but you know that is one thing that you have to think about um like just trusting people with these things i i guess i'd rather i don't know i'm in between on that like i don't think i could i would want to sell something like you know super rare um for a high dollar i think i would rather rent it out still though (laughs) just because you know it can open up so many other doors like i love that i'm like able to rent from certain people because then somebody somebody might want to write about it and then it ends up in you know it's a huge press move and it's like great for the stylist and the um renter owner the renter owner yeah, that's true. That's true for sure. Because I'm just, I, you know, when I started actually like selling, my whole thing was like, because for so long, I just collected, collected, collected. And then like, I just so, so, so. And I would sell everything. I didn't care what it was. I was like, <laughs> John Paul Gaultier, this, the Versace gotta go. We selling all this. Like, I'm, I'm, flood, flood, I'm flooding the scene. Like, but in hindsight, I wish I would have like, saved a lot of stuff but it's okay just because it was just a learning it was just a learning lesson a learning. Like, yeah. I, won't, I won't ever do it again like I don't sell now, now you gotta pry things out of my hand I'm not selling nothing okay? don't don't do it <laughs> I, 
I literally, I honestly feel like archive fashion. Um, I like I hate to say that it is a trend right now, but I also feel very optimistic about it not going anywhere because it's such a huge part of like being sustainable within the industry too. Um, I feel like that you know archive fashion is kind of just like um, beginning in a new lane, if that makes sense. Like, it's it's here to stay, basically. Yeah, like, um, Thread Up is, like, a, like a website, and they do a lot of, they, they have, like, resale stuff on their site, and every year they do something called the Thread Up of the Year. And every, at the, every, every year, end of the year, they go through all the numbers about the resale world, who's shopping where in the resale world, how much the resale was predicted to make. And, I think for the 2019 when it was like $51 billion for the resale industry because Crazy. now you have, like, I went to Saxaw Fifth in Atlanta. Now they're selling secondhand Birkin bags and secondhand Hermes Kelly bags. And then, you you know, you're going to, you know, you go into stores like Marshalls and um, TJ Maxx and they're not selling resale, but they have that discounted area from when it comes from other department stores and everything right. is just getting discounted and, and, and stuff like that. Yeah. So, so even that, like the real, real, like that's, they're like huge right now. Yeah. The real, real is like, I have a love and hate relationship with the real, real, but <laughs> <laughs> the real, real is like from, from a buyer standpoint, I love the real, real, the real, real. But if I was to, for me to sell on the real, real, I don't, I wouldn't sell on there personally just because they just offer a lot of discounts so people can buy and I just don't yeah. really like their um, I don't like their seller percentage so like I, I just don't like their seller percentage like I'm, I want I want to get most of my profits for my item like I don't want to split too much but the real world is like the head honchos in the resale world uh, funny story for sure I think this is a funny story it's not really a funny story but I used to work at luxury garage sale and the, the about the time I had got hired, uh, our like marketing team rolled out pop-up shops. So we ended up doing pop-up shops. Like, well, I got hired like in the midst of the pop-up shops, but their marketing team like cultivated pop-up shops and they were like everywhere in the U S like New Jersey. We went to Houston, had did very well, went to Atlanta. They went to, um, Boston and, the real real everywhere we went the real real was popping up so i remember like they had a pop-up in new jersey and i think like in like the next couple weeks new jersey i mean the real real ended up opening up like a major like warehouse in new jersey then i think oh, we wow. went to la and then i think that's when the real real had ended up opening their store in la and um and also a funny thing about that story was when we got hired, when we uh, tried to go to a mall in LA, Louis Vuitton asked to kick us out of the mall because they didn't want to lose all their customers. Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah, no, I think it's really, like, people want that stuff. They want that, you know, unique vintage that you can't just go get out at the stores. Like, And they want it for people cheaper. Really, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Right. And nowadays you can't even like that's not even a thing. Like the vintage costs just as much or even more than what the new shit is selling for. 
Yeah, because most of the time it's in better, it's better quality. Like especially the Louis Vuitton of the eighties and nineties, which was a such better coated canvas or leather than what you know we have that's coming out now. You know, a lot of right. that stuff is just like it's not as the, the the it's not as good as it used to be. But yeah, like like say like for instance like um, say if you buy a Chanel bag from the real real or something like that or eBay. If you go to Chanel and tell them that you bought it off like a resale shop, they will tell you it's fake, even though it's not. Because you didn't buy it. Because of the quality. Oh, okay, okay. So they'll and you'll be like, what the hell? I and they'll tell you it's <laughs> fake. Like that's not, and that's not nothing you want to hear that's fake after you just spent probably a few no, a couple. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, no, I don't know. That's like that's like the last thing I want to hear. I know. Okay. So I think this is such a perfect question just because that song just dropped. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. I already know where it's going. And I listened to it five times. Cause I definitely to, was on repeat for me too. Definitely had to get all the lyrics down. <laughs> I'm still working on it, but I'm sure I'll get it we, by tomorrow. We're going to get there. <laughs> so, um, so I heard the story about how you ended up styling Megan Thee Stallion. So, but I want you to you to tell us. So, how did you get in contact with Megan Thee Stallion? How did you end up being her stylist? Um. Okay. So, a long story short, um, like I was just consistent with shooting my shot via Instagram DM. Like, um, I was really um like eager to work with her um and i was given the chance to um really be behind something that's gonna like stick to me forever <laughs> um so yeah like like i said shooting my shot via instagram opened up a huge door for me um it was a pleasure um working with meg um i, I you know i want to go back to kind of what you said about um you know, artists having their, you know, moments or what did you call them? Seasons? Did you say seasons? I said quarters. Like, I think I said quarters. Like quarters, like like, I don't know, like I think that sounded right. Yeah, like quarters. Let's just go with quarters. I think you said quarters. Yeah. (laughs) I think you said quarters. Like it's But anyway, yeah, yeah, you know, fourth quarter, third quarter, and I I say, you know, um, during a certain quarter of her career, um, her style and what she's you know, stands for um, really resonated with my, you know, aesthetic of styling. Um, Like that whole hot girl era, um, hot girl Meg, that was really a time where I feel like, you know, it really went well with labels and dollars. Yeah. Yeah. That was like, that was, that, that, that made sense that, that, that whole, that collab made sense for you guys just because the hot girl Meg, the way you, the way you style, it, it meshed it meshed really well. And so how was it staying true to Megan's personal style and her being comfortable but adding your vision? Like did you go through any obstacles obstacles or how was that? Um honestly I have to say it was, you know, it was a unique experience. <laughs> um obviously, you know, Meg having a natural body um and you know being from the south she got curves and 
you know, butt and titties and, you know, all these things that are against sample size. Um, so it could, you know, sometimes it was easy, easier, and sometimes it wasn't so easy. Um, you know, finding clothes that, you know, actually complement her body, um, that are some sort of, you know, um, have some sort of uh, style as far as like either being like archive vintage or something that's really like current you have you know you have to mix those two because you have to take what you can get it's just like you know it was really rewarding at the end because um just being able to find certain like archive pieces that I felt stayed true to me and my brand while mixing things that I know um she's going to be comfortable with um and still look good on her like people used to try to eat me up about her you know being in booty shorts all the time and it's like um when you're built like a stallion and you're as sexy as she is it's like you want to show your body off you know that's like um I think something that was you know important to her was to stay true to her own you know shape um and making others feel comfortable about that um so it could be hard but it could also be really you know rewarding and um easier at other times i feel like the booty sh- i feel like that went with her, the hot girl meg her aesthetic her right aesthetic. You know? like, she's a stallion <laughs> she's a rapper chick like c- please kim so she's look, from texas she's from texas like little kim used to go on stage like with like d- with no bra on underneath the top showing nipples boot like it it goes with the aesthetic and i and i don't think that I don't think that people understood that now that's what we were talking about before how like you know they had like these artists had their like seasons and their quarters like hot girl mm-hmm. Meg and you know what's what's her other she has the you got Tina Snow, got Tina Tina Snow. Snow. and then now you have Sugar and, and so I got Sugar it's, like it's like Tina Snow might roll up with a fur on right you know? um I think that's like another thing that you know people don't um think about like you like us just going back to the quarters you know it would be certain times where meg would be like i want to be hot girl meg or i want to be tina snow um and it's like when you have to figure out okay well we can do this for this this persona and this for this persona um things are just easier to find depending on what you know persona we're going after right and I I just think that's that's so important, like for people to understand. And you know, sometimes people don't understand, but that's why I'm here, the archive. And, <laughs> we really appreciate and you're here, you. So everybody yeah. can understand. <laughs> I know, honestly, because it's like I always think about, you know, I reference these, you know, Lil Kim, Foxy, all these girls. Jackie O is probably one of my favorite like female rappers when it comes to style um not i mean i love her music too but um her style like i'm referencing these looks that they gave us 2015 you know just like hella years ago um and kind of trying to reincorporate that into my clients now because they really were the blueprint so you might not understand it now but i guarantee you later down the road you will understand they will see it they yeah. that that's all that matters. So how was it um how was it styling Koi Lorray for the Grammys? How was that? 
Um, this is another thing I'm gonna have to say is really rewarding. Um, the Grammys are big. Also, that's fun. Yeah, that, that was that's kind of huge. Um, obviously, all eyes are on you at the Grammys. It's just like, and it's like the beginning of the year, so it's like people want to see these, you know, what the looks are giving. Um, but for me, like I said, it was rewarding. Um, quick story: it was me as well as. Um, Another stylist that she works with um, closely um, at the time, she um, she and I really was, you know, feeding off each other's brains, like, you know, what we think could work. I obviously already had my mind made up of, like, who I wanted her in right. <laughs> or what kind of piece I wanted her in, which was obviously going to be an archive piece. Um, but we were stuck between, like, some Westwood. We had this, like, super cool John Galliano blazer. Um, and we had a few other pieces, but mostly Gautier, Westwood, and Galliano. Um, and the one that we had our eye on, which was this, um, hot pink, I can't remember the year it was from, but it was a really cool Westwood corset. And the night of the fitting, uh, which was the only fitting we had, it was really like a last minute job. Um, she hated it. And we also hated it. Like, it did not flatter her at all. Like, it was not a good <laughs> look for the Grammys. Um, so ultimately that put me at a, in a panic, <laughs> uh, trying to figure out, all right, what the hell are we going to do? The Grammys is literally like the next day at 3 PM it's three in the morning. Um, so luckily I was able to call on a few of my vintage dealers, um, to pull some last minute things. And, we ended up going with this denim corset from Vivian Westwood's like um, Autumn Winter ninety two ninety three collection, um, which I believe is called or it's yeah it's named Always on Camera, um, which is really cool because obviously it was an archive piece, um, but that piece is like worth right now I guess it's worth like eight thousand dollars on a few auction sites that I saw. Um, like I said, this was a really rewarding experience because what I thought was going to work did not work. And then something else ended up working that, which I thought was even better anyway. Yeah. $8,000. Right. I need that person. That's a nice piece, right? right? <laughs> no, <laughs> and like, then, I'm... And then we had the... Oh, no. I'm, I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, I forgot. Like, you know, that was... When you said $8,000, it really made me think, like, damn... She really was a walking ticket. Um, because even with her like accessories, she had this um Judith Lieber bag. And we all know, you know, Judith Lieber is responsible for some bags that we've seen on Beyonce, um, Re. Like, so this bag was like also worth another five bands. <laughs> and I'm just thinking about like she was really like, you know, some like a walking, like like a flex. Yeah. Um, I really I really like that look looking back because like I said, it was it started from nothing, and then we ended up pulling something out that I think is really cool for someone like Koi. Yeah, I love Judith Lieber. I remember when Beyonce had got that like custom bag, you know, the one they usually I think it's the one they usually sell like a hundred dollars, a hundred, a thousand, or something. Bro. She got like uh, the, her custom that, that is that bag, yeah, <laughs> that is that bag, like for sure. <laughs> so, uh, what is else do I want to ask you I kind of I didn't run out of questions but I'm kind of like picking and choosing <laughs> questions I'm pick, picking and choosing questions I want to ask now so 
So, question: What's a woman with good style to you, and who is she? Like, what what exudes, like, what exudes a woman with good style? Like, what, like, what ingredients make a a woman with Does good it style? Take? Yeah, you know, I kind of struggle with this question. I've been asked this a few times, and I just feel like it's not so much the clothes. It's not depending on what she is wearing. I feel like it's how she's wearing it. You know, I feel like it comes from within um, a woman with good style. To me, she's just, like, super confident, and she's comfortable in whatever she's wearing. She can sell whatever she's wearing. Um, she gets the point across. She makes the character come to life. Um, I feel like, like I said, it's more of an internal thing. I don't really think that it is so much as like a physical or, you know, an archive piece that she's wearing. Yeah, we appreciate that. Like, I would love to see archive piece on a client. But if she's not selling it, then it's not really going to, you know, do the look justice. Right. I always say that, like, if the piece is wearing you, you probably don't need to wear the piece. Like, exactly. I, <laughs> I think oftentimes people think, you know, oh, she got this bag, she got these shoes, she got this top, and it's all Gucci or Versace. And it's like, oh, it's a look. Like, she got style. And I honestly have to always, like, you know, step back and really, like, think about, like, what other people's definition of style is um, in a lot of conversations that I have. Um, and I always, like, you know, just to myself think like yes she has all this on but it looks a mess because I know it's not you know what I mean it's not for her like she's not selling it for me exactly like I cannot wear Izumiyaki like I have tried I have tried to wear Izumiyaki that's a special type of body please please like I have tried to wear Izumiyaki every time I look in the mirror that those pieces are wearing me and I just don't look good and the fashion girl you want to do it and the fashion girl in me wants to do it I'm like, I want to do it so bad, but I can't. No, but you got style, so you can't do it. You gotta, you can't let, do it to you gotta let it go. I think that's something that these like stylists. I'm not. I don't even want to say because I feel like I've been been guilty of this before in the past. But like you know, sometimes you just have to let it go. I hold on to stuff too. Like I hold on to like a a, a fit that I have on. I'm trying to hold on to it, knowing dang on well it's not working. You know, you just gotta. You just got to know when, you know, you have a vision in your head of how, <laughs> of how you want to look or you want your clients to look or you want yourself to look and you try to hold on to that vision and it looks good in your head, but in hindsight, it may not look good in actual like real time, you know? So it's like, right. Hard. Like, yeah, no, I definitely think, you know, sometimes you want to really wear this cool piece that you've had your eye on for forever, and then you get it, try it on, and you realize it's just not matching with your aura. <laughs> like, and this energy is not matching here, you know? Exactly. And I'm not I'm not going to embarrass myself, and I'm not going to embarrass the piece. Like, <laughs> we're not going to embarrass <laughs> That part. So, what, that are, part. What, what are your plans for the future? Like, where do you, where do, where do you see yourself doing, you know, in the future? Um, that's a really good question because, like, I have this idea of where I want to be, um, but I obviously know and I, I've accepted it. It's going to take time to get where I want to be. So I'm kind of just going with the flow. Obviously, I want to continue to, like, you know, perfect my lane in regards of styling and using archive pieces in a refreshing way. Um, I 
honestly, this is something I always want to get into, um, but I want to do it with something that I feel is right or a brand that I feel is right. But I definitely want to get into some type of like create creative directing um, for a brand. Um, and then ultimately, like I honestly, I was so against this because I just was like, you know, I don't want to be, I don't even want to say typical. I just don't want to, you know, like I want to really know what I'm doing before I get into it. Um, but I want to start getting into collecting. Yeah. Well, let me know when you're ready to start collecting. <laughs> I think like you probably would be one of the first people that I reach out to um, in regards to that. That's fun. Finding stuff. Yeah. And then traveling, you I know. Think... Traveling is fun to go to different places and and find for, no, for sure. Yeah. Like the um what was I going to say? One of my favorite um, archives is what goes around, comes around. Um, and I had a conversation with like uh, one of the like lead buyers and she's like, yeah, I'm in Paris just shopping for <laughs> the store. And I'm like, that shit is so cool to me because it's like, obviously you have to know what you're looking for. Um, and you have to, you know, really be knowledgeable about it. Yeah. Um, and you have to but I want somebody to send me yeah, but send me to Paris to find some um, Chanel from the 90s. Like, yes. I'm like super down to do that. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> I was, I'm so excited that we had this conversation. It was much needed. And I appreciate you coming on my podcast. You're my first guest. And like, two I'm years super stoked now, about that. <laughs> I'm going to be like, Raven Dollars was my first guest. You guys could never. Like, yes, okay. <laughs> Right, look, hopefully I'm back. Right, you know, hopefully, hopefully I'm back. like, let's, we like, let's, like let's shoot for the <laughs> let's shoot for the future, and we can all like see where we're at, and that's like always super dope. So no, that's real. I'm looking forward to that. All right, thank you for coming on the archivist podcast. We appreciated you. Peace and love, everybody. Have a good night. Bye. <laughs>